0: Hey, What's going on? Hey, Lefty, hey, Lefty what you saying? Game. So, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time, Saturday, Notre Dame Stadium. The Boilermakers come to town trying to pull off the upset. Notre Dame, whether you go to the different sports book, seven, minus seven, minus eight, the seven, to eight points favorites in this game, which is scary to me. Yeah. If I'm a better, I don't even know if I can take that. Even if I was a Notre Dame fan, because the first two games haven't gone well. If you're looking at the over/under, it's sitting at right about fifty-eight point five, um, the first two games for Purdue, they're over. I mean, their uh, total for the games has hit at sixty-one point five, and that's like three over the over/under. So yeah. you can you hey, you can take take that bit right there. Notre Dame, the last five games, one and four against the spread. Just giving you a little tidbits here. Yeah. If you would like to bet on this game to go where you might want to go, Notre Dame, minus 290 on the money line, Purdue plus 230. Quarterback Jack Plummer comes into the game, averaging right around 290 yards in the first two games through the air. Been very effective. You know, his trio wide receivers – led by David Bell and Payne Durham. That's going to be a challenge. I'm sure that uh, David Bell is going to see a lot of Cam Hart on Saturday. But the offensive line for Purdue from watching the their first two games is questionable. I, I will say that. Uh, I looked at them. They're not as exactly big, and they're not exactly talented. Mm-hmm. Cohesive. Well coached. Yeah. Can Notre Dame make an imprint in this game like they did against Florida State early on, disrupting that offense and that front four, getting into the backfield? And as I said before, you have to make Jack Plummer uncomfortable, get him off his spot, get him outside the pocket and then get him down on the ground. You know, Jeff Brown is going to have a couple of trick plays. You know he's going to scout out this defense. You know he's going to have some type of wheel route concept. Notre Dame has been hurt by the wheel route the first We're two games.
1: He knows again. I
0: promise. Yeah, at some point, Jeff Brom is going to get to that concept and to that route and implement it to see if they can get a big play and the counter as well in the yeah, run game. Yeah. The he's going to make guard Notre, guard Notre Dame. Man. He's going to force those linebackers to make the right fits to Mm -hmm. see if they've learned from the first two games. That's what you've talked about in this defense. You want to see more from the linebackers because you feel like they really haven't played that well. J.D. Bertrand Mm -hmm. was a standout in the first two games, specifically last week. Specifically. like a man with his hair on fire. Mm -hmm. But you want to see more from Drew Wright. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: I think you're absolutely right, especially with what we want to see defensively in that linebacking core, really making a statement this game I think week three is a great game for them to really establish the identity starting with what's going to be the base of our defense and those as linebacker core. And with them knowing that we're going to see a lot of power runs, we're going to see those wheel routes again, those wheel concepts. It's important that we learn from the previous week. I don't think we did a great job of learning from the previous week on the things that beat us bad. We learned how to get better, but we didn't learn on the biggest mistakes that we made. So seeing that jump this week i want to see no real wheel routes completed i want to see some fits we may not be perfect in fitting some of those garden and, and tight end pools or tackle pools but it would be good to, to see it met, met at the line of scrimmage maybe a broken tackle is okay but let us let's meet the guys at the line of scrimmage let, let's not let the running back get ahead of steam yeah but with jordan isaiah at those dns this week that's, that looks like a better size for a D line and a three down front to be putting pressure on the quarterback. We were looking a little, a little thin. I'm not going to say small. I'm going to say a little thin because we got some athletic guys out there, but with Jordan coming back on that other side with Isaiah, I think it would be a, a more intimidating look for an offensive line going against. And it'd probably be a harder block. Jordan's not no easy walk in the park to deal with. So offensively, I think we'll struggle a little bit in the points factor just because of the hype from last week. I think uh, Coach Kelly and Tom are going to cook up a lot of different things that they can do with the rotation of Jack and Tyler. So I think the points will take a little bit of a hit, but hopefully we can see some more continuity on who they want to really focus the offense around, especially when it comes to putting in those young guys and how those young guys respond to the different types of leadership that's in there. I think we've seen... Tyler be more of a fast-paced, exciting uh, fire starter to the offense, and then Jack being that consistent, uh call you when you need me type of uh type of quarterback play as well. So, I'm I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a lot closer, maybe a 28-24 type of matchup, but it's it'll be it'll be a nail biter to say the least, especially in the first half.
0: Hey, Malik is telling you to play that under over 158 <laughs> and a half. Play that under. <laughs> So uh, with that being said, we talked about Cam Hart, probably seeing a lot of David Bell. David Bell seeing a lot of Cam Hart. Lamar Henderson did get into the game in the nickel. He was very effective. He did have one penalty when he was there to make the play. Had to grab, had the hold. We talked about that in the wrap-up show, like, yo, you're there. Just, Just make, make the plays. Just make it. Just make the plays. But my concern is the passing game, and we'll talk about the linebackers once again. In the passing game, it's very important for the linebackers and the defensive backfield to be on the same page, not have those gaps that we've seen over the middle the first two games, especially when you have third and six and, and longer than that. You can't have third and 13 and teams converting. Yeah, that, that, That's just unacceptable. If you can convert third and four, third and five, okay, cool. If you want to be a national championship defense, third and over seven yards has to be your zone where you're pretty much like 90% of the time when we're locking you down.
1: Yeah. And getting off the field is is obviously super important. And I think that's something that it caught us off guard with that turnover from Kyron last week and being able to get the field when Toledo, got it back. It's something we got to be really good on defensively, especially if we trying to figure out our offensive identity. So, yeah. getting off the field can is, is drive killers when you're converting those long third downs because everybody in the stands and us we believe that third and anything past third and ten we're looking to get off the field but when they convert those those 10 plus third downs you just know that a potential score is coming down the pipe and it puts some pressure on that offense as well to be able to respond with points giving up big drive killers for us those third and 13s
0: so when you had a three-man front, we've seen it be, what, 50-50 successful, I would say, in the first two games when they go to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams adjust and immediately go to the run game against Notre Dame when they see the three-man front. Do you expect them to be more four-man front in this game? Or do you think well, – But see, this is this is what I'm trying to figure out. Marcus Freeman was using the first two games to really figure out, okay, what's going to be the strength of this team. And really, honestly, he saw two different teams from a talent standpoint offensively. But he also saw two teams that were going to use two quarterbacks and were to be up-tempo and could score. You come into Purdue, as I said before, one of the best offensive minds with Jeff Brown. What are you thinking? Do they want to give him multiple looks like they did in the first two games? Or do they want to stick to just a four-man front that's been more effective in those first two games?
1: You know, I'm actually interested to see how he does come out because playing a Purdue offense, um, you're going to get a Big Ten style of offense. You're going to get a, some some bubbles. You're going to get some inside runs, some power runs. Things that are three down front, we we definitely got to be ready for because it's going to be a lot of action between them tackles. So yeah. I would hope that he goes to to more of a rush, a rush in instead of a pass in. And we'll be able to have a lot more force for a D lineman looks may not be a, a four down, but a, a four down look with a guy coming off the edge. But if anything, we should definitely keep on establishing stopping their run game. Cause if a team gets to running on us in the three down front, it's kind of like we're playing with our hair on fire, because if you can't stop the run in three down, that play action is going to be huge for us, and it's going to leave us susceptible to those outside wheels and those one-on-ones downfield. So, either we're going to have to hit home in a lot of three-down edge pressures, and and using the line and shifting the line to get in between those uh, double uh, those pullers and those those double teams and stuff. Yeah. But the linebackers got to make a play. I mean, I think this is a game where linebacker can establish himself as a foundation of the defense outside of time. And make plays when it matters on that on that aspect.
0: And we just don't have that guy at nose tackle yeah. right not, now. Not, yet. not in the program, <laughs> you know. Kurt Heinisch, yo, I love him. He's given us everything he's had for four years. Great leader. He's just not that nose tackle in a three-four. He's not a Vita, Vita Vea. Yeah,
1: he or or uh, or a Lou Nix. No, Lou Nicks, mean, at all. A heavy, mean guy in that at that nose tackle position.
0: Yo, rest in peace to our guy, Lou Nix. Hey, we dude, lost him shocked, man. Love you, man. recently. And um, yeah, so we transition over to the offensive side. You said you look forward to be a low scoring game. And Notre Dame might not put up the same amount of points they put up in the first few weeks. Are you looking more for points? Or are you looking more for the effectiveness of the offense in eliminating the mistakes? Like, are you cool with eliminating the mistakes and maybe not getting the same point output when it comes to this game against Purdue.
1: Yeah, well, I know that Purdue has never been a high-scoring team against us particularly, so I'm really looking to to see how efficiently we can move the ball as a unit. Are we going to be a bunch of three and outs because we're flipping quarterbacks all the time, or are we going to find our flow as to where maybe Jack is good in the first quarter, sprinkle in some Tyler Buckner and then come back with Jack to finish the half? maybe that's a, a, a schedule or, or a, a routine that they want to try to put in but it's still up in the air for what you want to do when you had such success on what you did last week on the fly it felt like when yeah. you're putting packages to kind of kickstart the offense when I felt like Jack was doing a solid job I mean he's a game manager in a lot of, sense of the words so he's, he may not give you the explosive plays that Tyler may give you but uh, you know, how he does, you know, throwing a pick, a pick six, and then coming back and, and performing well enough to keep us in the game is just how guys like that perform. So it it can be spotty. You know, you think of like the Fitzpatrick. I, I always think of Jack Cohn as like a Fitzmagic type of quarterback. To mm. He can get you eight wins, you know. He can do some good things for you. But is he going to send you into the playoffs and beyond? You know, maybe not but that's where Tyler Buckner can potentially do that for us, and it'll be interesting to see how they figure it out.
0: It's interesting that you say that too because you look at this matchup and a lot of people would think, well, if Notre Dame is more efficient and the offensive line improves, why wouldn't they score more points? And as you said before, it just goes the fabric of certain traditional games between teams. They just have this flow. Yeah, right, this now, so. <laughs> granted, the last time Notre Dame faced Purdue in 2014, 30 to 14, yeah. But the score can be misleading. Like 16 point win, but it was a tough. Yeah, game. yeah, that game we had some we had some big
1: plays towards the end that made it 30 16. But that first half was a rough one for
0: us. Yeah, it has a tough physical game. I expect nothing less from this matchup. Yeah. And that's what we mean. If we see the offensive line being not just better in pass pro, but not giving up strip sacks, picking up stunts a little bit better, they're facing the, a the top 10 NFL draft pick at defensive end, yeah. possibly the best pass rush in the nation. <laughs> yeah. So we're not expecting them to keep him locked down the entire yeah. game. No. like he's going to make his plays right but in the big moments don't let him make those game changing plays that's right and be, cons- be consistent be cohesive together and you just want to see growth you want to see growth to look at it and say okay that was better than Toledo yeah
1: and i think yeah the fan base got to understand this is not the expectation we're looking like we were again last year the year before. We were looking to maybe thinking we can get over the hump and win a championship. So in a transitional year, you're only looking for progress. And the last week we had some good things happen for us, but this is a, a good week moving into a schedule that we're moving into where it's important for us to be able to handle guys like the top the top, or even best pass rusher in the league right now or in college football outside of Kayvon Thibodeau. It's important to see, can we handle a guy like that? Can we minimize the game? We know he's going to get his get his uh, his stats in there somewhere, but yeah. if we can have what he would expect to get, maybe, maybe one or two sacks instead of three or four sacks, that's good progress for us, and I think Coach, that's what Coach Kelly's looking for on a week-to-week basis, especially against teams where he knows we should be able to come out with a victory, but he wants to do it and look good doing it. So yeah. if we can look good doing it up front, especially early on being able to establish Kyron and Chris Tyreek getting that run game going. I think Coach Kelly would uh, give us better better jokes at the end of games instead of trying to execute the offense.
0: Yeah, what we mean by that is this guy's a talent. Yeah. he He's flat out on any play could just get off the ball and be better than you, and that's cool. In competition, if you get beat, you get beat. We don't have a problem with that. You yeah. expect that in this game. You expect him to make one or two plays. So if he beats one of our tackles around the corner.
1: It happens. It happens. Especially if you had Ronnie Stanley there, we expecting it not to happen.
0: So right. So that's just the difference. You know? Exactly. Yeah. But these stunts, just coming home free, you know, interior of the offensive line being pushed back in Jack Cone's lap, that has to stop. Not being able to see the cat blitz off the corner, you know, from the defensive back, that has to stop. Like, we need to see better. We need to see improvement. We need to see that identified not only by our offensive line, but Jack Cone needs to identify that. And, and, make sure he, communication. and you're absolutely right. And also just. And Kyron Williams that. as well. Like, slide over. See that. Yeah, yeah, I See that.
1: Yeah. He's usually a good blocker. You know, I yeah. think last year when Ian had the protections pretty solid, he was able to put Kyron in that position. And Kyron was stepping up, I think, at Clemson last year. Or step stepping up and taking on some huge blocks to get for the quarterback in to be able to get it off. Yeah. But the other thing you got to consider too is that we really have to decide where we want to sacrifice on offense. At is it do we want to sacrifice in toughening up on the O line and saying we got to get better to protect Jack, who we know particularly can't always get away, yeah. or do we substitute uh, simplifying the offense and scaling it back for a, a rookie to go out there? and help our offensive line out by avoiding some of the potential sacks, but then also allowing him to develop around other young guys to potentially increase what we can look like not only in this year but years to come and set up a potential dynasty like how Alabama and Clemson's do in the world.
0: Uh, yeah, with that being said, definitely a potential trap game. And but, this, but this is what – if you go to our Notre Dame season preview – while everybody else was talking about Wisconsin and everybody else was talking about Cincinnati. Both of us sat here, not just because of the way these games play out traditionally, but we just said like, yo, this game is going to be a tough game and we know Purdue is going to bring it. So for most people, man, from a betting standpoint it's definitely a trap game. So for all of our betters out there, when you look at that eight points, that Notre Dame is giving away at home. That's anytime you go over like six, six and a half. I thought the Oregon Ohio State game was tricky at six and a half. Yeah. And you see what Oregon went into Columbus and did. So, and, and, and I'm D. not comparing, by no means am I comparing Purdue to Oregon, but in the same breath, they you know, play us
1: like it's super uh It plays like an Oregon Ohio State game. Every team plays yeah. us like it's their Super Bowl, yeah. and it just shows you how true it is. Florida State lost to Jackson State last week, and they went to overtime with Notre Dame. So,
0: dude, they, 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 you can't fire you can't fire kids from their scholarships. But the defensive backs coach needs to be fired.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: The defensive coordinator needs to be gone. You know.
1: See, that let, me, let,
0: me really ask, let me ask you something. The stability, yeah. the stability of a locker room, like you've been in this Notre Dame locker room and you've been there when it was tough times and when there were questionable decisions being made by coordinators and things of that nature. After the performance last week, Ryan Day stepped up and said, it's going to be some major changes made on this defensive side of the ball. Like, he didn't go as far as to say he's going to fire his defensive coordinator, but he he made it known, like, hey, we changing the scheme. And that that's the head coach st- watching film and stepping out there like, yo, we changing the scheme because this scheme is not working. When you have something like that happen or you have turmoil, like, defensive coordinators or a coordinator being questioned by the media or being on the hot seat, like, how impactful was that? Because a lot of people are questioning Jeff Quinn and his work with the offensive line. So how impactful was that for the guys in the locker room?
1: Well, it's it's a trickle-down effect because usually when you're in situations like that, every when you're winning, there is, it's hard to really see where the true issues are. But when you're losing, you get so particular in pointing out things that may or may not be the reason. Like, for instance, if you have a dirty locker room, I know a lot of coaches gonna point to a dirty locker room as a reason why they're having an unsuccessful season, but we all know that picking up trash is not gonna beat you Purdue or Oklahoma when the game comes down to it. I do think that when you when you're doing you're not pleasured with the amount of talent and success at the offensive line that you're used to, you know everybody's the issue except the players. And right. I think this is a situation where we just gotta say, listen, we got we were used to something that we don't have now, but we're still good in that position. We gotta trust the coaching and trust the the, the direction the team's going to head in. Because truthfully, I mean, this is like we're saying so early in the season. We're not even into a third of the season yet, and that's a lot of talk for uh, Ryan Day to make a. a a decision so crucial to a team so early on in the season.
0: Yeah.
1: And I point that out just like Mike Vrabel had a lot of harsh words for Julio in their first loss of the season. But, you know, in situations like that, I think that just is the heat of the moment. And then from the perspective of trust the guys around you, and I trust that Coach Kelly puts some good people in position to make them get better. But if they're championship ready at week one, it's it's not going to be exciting to watch how they develop throughout the
0: rest of the season. You're, You're listening, listening to the Lucky, Lucky Lefty, Lefty Podcast with Malik Zaire Never will there
1: ever be another like me um, You can play the
0: left cause it ain't no right at me And Sean Ears